Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. Yes, that could mean you too. The workouts have been designed to fit into your life so you can move when you can. The 15 minutes you can squeeze in before work. The 20 minutes you get to yourself while the baby naps. The half hour you can spare at lunch. There's a routine for you no matter what your day looks like. A reminder as well, this is included in your Mum Mia subscription. If you are a Mum Mia subscriber, you already have access to Move. Download the Move app and log in with your Mum Mia login. Head to move.mamamia.com.au and use code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. I'm Laura Brodnick. And I'm Key Reese. And it's Friday. It is. What a time to be alive. I have a little confession to make um, before we start spill. the show. So Still on the spill. <laughs> I went to the shops last night to buy your daughter a first birthday oh, present, stop. obviously because her party is this weekend. It is. And I got sidetracked buying a heap of stuff for myself, which, you know, sometimes you know, it's hard Fair. to find clothes and you find things. I bought some beautiful outfits for the weekend. Go, go. Got back to my car just before the shops closed. So happy. Sat in the car and was like, what did I go in for? Was it milk? <gasps> and then I was like, oh my God, I went in to get real birthday present. Oh my so then I had I had to like run back into the store and get her something really cute. But I just Got feel it. like she would have appreciated me buying myself an outfit. Oh my God, yeah, she understands. <laughs> she gets but it. But just so you know, I did forget your baby for a while. But it is a Friday. That means it's a weekend watch. We've got some bangers to recommend to you today. But first, the entertainment news headlines of the day. I have news. What's the hot gosh? I want more headlines. After a weeks-long trial, today we finally have the verdict for Ed Sheeran's copyright lawsuit. After three hours of deliberation, all seven jurors found the musician and his writing partner Amy Wodge not liable. The duo had been accused of copying elements of the Marvin Gaye classic Let's Get It On for his 2014 track called Thinking Out Loud. Ed, who missed his grandmother's funeral in Ireland to be present at the trial and also testified during the trial that he would retire from music altogether if found liable, a little bit dramatic, addressed the media outside following the verdict. Let's have a listen. I'm obviously very happy with the outcome of the case and it looks like I'm not having to retire from my day job after all. But at the same time, I'm unbelievably frustrated that baseless claims like this are allowed to go to court at all. We've spent the last eight years talking about two songs with dramatically different lyrics, melodies and four chords which are also different and used by songwriters every day all over the world. These chords are common building blocks which were used to create music long before Let's Get It On was written and will be used to make music long after we are all gone. They are in a songwriter's alphabet, our toolkit, and should be there for all of us to use. No one owns them, all the, all the way they are played, in the same way that nobody owns the colour blue. Unfortunately, unfounded claims like this are being fueled by individuals who are offered as music experts in musical analysis. And I think we proved for all to see that they tried to manipulate my and Amy's song to try and convince the jury that they had a genuine claim. If the jury had decided this matter the other way, we might as well say goodbye to the creative freedom of songwriters. 
clear that Ed is really stepping into the role of making a stand against these types of issues coming up. And I thought it was really interesting that in that speech mentioned Catherine Townsend Griffin, who was the co-plaintiff in suing him and more pushing the blame onto those music experts that he mentioned in the speech then. People magazine actually reported that after the verdict was read in court, Ed walked over to Catherine and her team and they exchanged a few words and then actually hugged. So classy guy all around and a good outcome for the Sheeran camp. Now, it wasn't my choice to bring up Ben Affleck again. Never is. No one chooses to talk about (laughs) Ben Affleck. He's just there all the time in your sleeps outside your house. So, obviously, you know, the whole Gwyneth Paltrow thing blew up this week of her ranking him against Brad Pitt in bed. But because of that, this other news story that was going viral at the beginning of the week has been kind of under the radar, but it's resurfaced thanks to his wife, Jennifer Lopez. So, just to set the scene, Ben Affleck, who's on the promo trail mostly for his new movie, Air went on the Drew Barrymore show this week to be interviewed. Didn't go into the studio, unfortunately, so Drew couldn't hug him or, you know, like hold his hand while they talk. I know that's a missed opportunity for him. That's all I'm going to say. So he's up on the big screen. And when talking about his wife, Jennifer Lopez, he said a comment that quickly got picked up by a lot of outlets and like TikTokers and stuff. And people found it a little problematic. Let me tell you something that's going to upset you. Okay. okay. Jennifer just eats whatever she wants. It, it, whatever she wants. Pizza, cookies, ice cream, everything. Is it the working and out? She works out. I mean, I work out too. But I don't magically appear to be 20 years old. You know what I mean? With perfect skin and the whole day. I'm, she is a just, a, there's no taking away the work ethic. The work ethic is real. The discipline is very real. But also the superhuman thing is real. Not to be a Ben Affleck apologist, but I think he was very much like gushing over his wife and calling her very like otherworldly and beautiful, which is things that people say all the time about Jennifer Lopez, not just people who are married to her. But I think what has kind of upset people is talking about the food and the fact that he started it with, this is going to upset you. So he kind of was making it a very negative thing and saying, she eats this, she eats that, she doesn't care. It was kind of setting her up to be very not like the other girls. It kind of came across like a guy bragging about his wife or girlfriend and saying like, oh, she's not like the other girls. Like she'll come and watch football with me or she doesn't just eat a salad. She'll eat a burger and drink beer and she's cool and she's one of the guys. That was kind of the vibe that I think people were reacting to because people had some really intense feelings about this. Yeah, I'm going to say two words here. I think you know what they're going to be. Oh, no, what are they? Technically excellent. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He was trying to do a solid for his wife, (laughs) who I might add speaks very articulately about her man. She knows everything to say because you know where her husband needs praise? He needs to feel like he is a serious actor and writer. (laughs) So what does she do? She speaks about how serious he is, a writer, how talented he is, right? And so he's trying to do her a solid and speak publicly but no one warned him to stay away from the toxic diet culture. <laughs> it's so true. He went in there and he's like, I'm going to knock this out of the park. Yeah. I'm going to gush about my wife. Who doesn't want to talk about how great J-Lo is? We love J-Lo. We love her. Wild things that she does aside. And he obviously thought he was onto a bit of a winning streak there. But because as a man, he didn't have to be across the nuances of toxic diet culture. He didn't get the memo. As a white man who like has like people have kind of shamed him out his body, but it never touches the sides like it does with oh a woman when, he, God, when he's put no. weight on. People just say, oh, he's got 
got a bit of a dad bod, but he's still he's hot. He's still hot. Or he's just an older, more rugged Batman, still hot. Like, no <laughs> one's more rugged Batman. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, he was actually really good at that movie. I tell you when this would have worked. It would have worked when they originally dated back in 2002. Yes. If he had said this in an interview in 2002, we would have been like, what? Ben Affleck, oh, my God, yes, her body is a temple, but she's still a really relatable girl. But, like, it doesn't work really right now. Sorry. Exactly. The reason that this is kind of annoying for Jennifer Lopez is that they're kind of just getting over the whole Grammys fiasco, which she, had to, which she had to answer so many questions about because she's the one who gets asked about it when they do press. Why did he look like he wanted to die? Why was he trying to leave? Why were you scolding him like a little boy? They got over that, and now she's doing press for her new Netflix movie, The Mother. So she's also on the press trail. Right. So a few days later, she went on the Today Show to talk about her movie and the hosts were like, can you please explain to us this whole viral interview your husband did and why it blew up? The eating thing, it is true. He does see me eat pizza. He does see me eat cookies. He does see me eat those things. But I'm also conscious of what I eat. Yes, of course. You know, so there's a, there's, I try to have a balance to it. I think this past summer, because we got married and everything on our honeymoon, I was like, I kind of like threw it all to like, after I did the mother. Yeah, so the mother, I was like in super mother. training for the mother. No, the, by the way, you and the mother. Yeah, I was the super, mother. I like saying the yeah, mother. Like I was, mother. I was cut, cut. I was, like, I was lean. The cookies. I was lean. lean. I mean, what a professional she is. She brings she, it back around to the mother. Yeah, she is just honestly a professional all around. Like she knows how to handle it, and I appreciated her response to it because she gets toxic diet culture. She understands the implications of saying something so flippantly and she has very expertly just kind of drawn a line under and moved on, which I love from her. Yeah, exactly. Because as a woman in the public eye, especially one whose face is debated so much, although I still can't get on board with her saying that she just uses water and her JLo products. And yeah, we're moving past that's that. All she does. But apart from that, she's been asked about her body for the last 30 years of her career. So she understands. You can kind of see this movement behind her eyes when they bring it up that she's going into dangerous territory because yes, she can't yes, say I noticed what that. she The yeah. awkward laugh. Yeah, because she's like, oh God, anything I say here could go either way. It could be ripped apart because there's really no safe way for celebrities to really talk about diet, exercise, body image because they live in such a warped world because totally. their bodies, their currency away from us. There's no way they can say it that's not going to offset this huge conversation about how toxic it is. But, you know, she tried to sidestep it by saying, yeah, he sees me do that. But also, she's like, I'm not calling him a liar. He's probably seen me eat a piece of pizza, but like, that's not what's going on here. The other thing I wanted to touch on with this was that you know, Ben Affleck, I'm just going to give you another tip here. You would never sit down in an interview and have this conversation. So I think that that's the thing that really annoyed me about it too. And also what position that puts Drew Barrymore in. She knows how problematic it is. You can hear her say it straight away. But she takes one for the team and kind of like puts a spin on it and makes it seem like to us that he's gushing over his wife and she's just like swooning over whatever. But it is annoying when you see those specific conversations happen with female talk show hosts. It's like, We're better than that. Drew Barrymore is better than that. Respect her. I know, but it kind of always blows up when women talk about what they're eating. Like what comes to mind for me is David Beckham, that interview from a few years ago. I know. Where he kind of just said in passing, like, Victoria and I never share a meal together, which makes me really sad. She eats the same thing every day, like literally steamed fish and greens every day. And I have this one memory of her, like, eating some food off my plate and it was so amazing. And that blew up. And you can just imagine, like, Victoria chasing him through the mansion, beating him over the head with one of her 
like Victoria Beckham purses, being like, <laughs> David, for years I've been saying I eat and I do this and I do that. And with one interview, you ruined it all. Yeah, because unlucky. again, he didn't understand, like Ben Affleck, David Beckham didn't understand the nuances and the kind of lies that these women have to spin and this big minefield they step into with food, whereas they have this very calculated way of speaking about it in the public. And then their husbands just come in and like, have a little chat, blow it all up. I finished my work week on my couch, ordered some food. It's time for Weekend Watch. Our recommendations of what to watch this weekend. Okay, Weekend Watch time and you just did a big monologue, so I'm going to start it off. (laughs) Jesus, okay. Just kidding. So my Weekend Watch this week is Slip and it's out on Binge. It's a seven-part comedy series that came out yesterday. So really interestingly, Dakota Johnson is the executive producer. It was created by Zoe Lister-Jones, who also plays the lead May Cannon. So May is alive, but she's not really living. She's an associate gallery curator with a fun bestie, Gina, played by Tamika Tafari, who is, I think, the standout of the series. She's been married for 13 years to her aspiring writer, hubby Elijah. Is it working? Sure. Is she happy? Ish. (laughs) Is she passionate? Not really. It's become a little monotonous, a little boring, and she's really lost herself. So we meet her a couple of days before the reveal of her latest art exhibition, and post-show she meets a lovely man. One thing leads to another, and then she has a slip. See what I did there? That is the title of the show. It seems that every time she orgasms, she finds herself in a parallel universe married to a different partner. That's not weird. Does that not happen to you? (laughs) So the series basically is about her as she's trying to find her way back to her original partner, Elijah, but also as she's trying to find herself. Isn't that so sweet? That's beautiful. Put that on a T-shirt. There are infinite worlds. I can't seem to feel at home in any of them. Something about leaving one world that allows you to re-enter the old one from a new place. So the series has a really 80s feel visually and I feel like a lot of shows are doing this at the moment, kind of like leaning into that visual nostalgia. It works. The episodes are less than 30 minutes, so it's just like a quick something that you can put on for a little bit of laughs and move on. It's funny. It's easy to watch. It's a wild plot, but the themes are really relatable. So I think you're going to enjoy it. Slip, seven episodes, out now on Binge. Okay, my recommendation is the new series Queen Charlotte, A Bridget and Story, which has just come out on Netflix this week. So it's created by Shonda Rhimes, who just creates all romantic, amazing shows everywhere. So obviously it's a prequel series to the Bridget and series that's on Netflix. And it's about Queen Charlotte, who in the original series of Bridgerton, we see her as this older ruling queen who's like very much in charge of not just running the kingdom, but like who marries who and everyone trying to get her approval. This is her as like a very young woman when she has been sent off from Germany to the UK to marry the King of England, having never seen him, met him, anything like that, but she's just been chosen. So Queen Charlotte is played by India Amatiefo, who is amazing. And I think that was really important casting because the story is basically told through her eyes and you're following her through this like kind of fish out of water, young woman from a royal family, but like being brought into this like huge kind of British monarchy thing. And so she is a really 
really kind of engaging character. And so she gets there and she gets married and then it kind of all unravels that this marriage that she thought was going to happen is not what it seems. Mm. What's kind of really interesting about this is, you know, how like the original series of Bridgerton has people of all different races and colours and backgrounds. super inclusive. Exactly, as kind of our world looks now. And a few people have said like, well, back in the day, you know, you wouldn't have had people of colour in a British court, rah, rah, rah. And Shonda Rhimes said like, well, we can't change what happened in the past, but we can change who's on our screens now. And we're making a real kind of effort to just have the casting be very inclusive. What's really interesting in Queen Charlotte is that they don't kind of just ignore race. It is a very central theme in the show. So when Queen Charlotte gets to court, the Queen Mother, played by Michelle Fairley, Catelyn Stark from Game of Thrones, she's like in fine form here. Very cool. There's this scene where the Queen Mother goes over to Queen Charlotte when she first arrives, looks at her really closely and then tries to rub her face. Mm. So she's trying to see if she's got makeup on and then she says she's a lot darker than we thought she was going to be. Whoa, I just got chills. I know. I was like, oh, I see what you guys are doing here. And afterwards, because I went to the Sydney premiere to see this, very fancy. It was like full Bridgerton ball vibes. Okay. And I walked out of there and I was saying to the Netflix team and some friends I was with, I was like, I love this is coming out just before the coronation. Yeah. Because I was really getting throwbacks to Meghan Markle's interview with Oprah where she said the royal family were like, well, how dark is Archie going to be? How, you know, how dark is his skin going to be? There were, I believe the words were, there were concerns about how dark his skin yes. would be. Yes. And there are concerns here over how dark the queen's skin is. And so I have to bring in all, all these other characters of colour who are very wealthy people within the British world, but they're not part of the court. They're not in the palace. So it's kind of setting up the court that we see later on in the original Bridgerton series. Right. So, so originally it's quite segregated. Yeah, it's segregated by skin colour. And this is when you see them kind of bring them in together because they start panicking that the royal family and the court is too white. <laughs> and it's, I was like, I'm sorry, is this a documentary about the current <laughs> yeah. royal family? That's why I think it's so telling that it's come out just before the coronation with Meghan Markle not attending after everything had happened. So I really loved it. There's six episodes out. Queen Charlotte, a Bridgerton story. It's out on Netflix now. Go watch it. Well, I need to wrap this up because I am desperate to go and see that series right now. Thank you so much for listening to The Spill today. This episode of The Spill was produced by the lovely, ravishing Laura Brodnick with audio production done by Rhiannon Mooney and our executive producer is Gia Moylan. We'll see you on mamamia.com.au and on The Spill Instagram. Bye! Bye! Bye.